Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. Guys, number one, we are 18 days away from spring football, and we'll circle back to that here in a little bit. But the Combine is fully underway, and uh, we'll, we'll get into what, who ran what. We'll get into the drills. We'll get into all that here in a second. But Jatavion Sanders, the Texas tight end, met with the media yesterday, and he had quite a bit to say, especially on some of the younger guys. So we're going to play that real quick. UT boy, this is your time. Get it going. <laughs> Here we go. John Tate Cook, actually. Uh, you know, uh, he, he had a dominant high school career, and when, when he gets his opportunity, I know he's going to go out there and make his plays for sure. Oh, uh, I feel like he's a miniature Zay, you know what I'm saying? Uh, getting to play under Zay his freshman year and just look at the things Zay did. Uh, I feel like that's how Sark's going to use him as well. He got the he got the play speed. He got the catch radius. He got the hands. He has the IQ, has the smartness, all that. Uh, oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Arch came on the canvas with a, like a Manning, you know what I'm saying? He came in with the mindset of a Manning. He's been dominant since he came in, had a great, had a great fall camp. I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the future. Uh, you know, it was fun playing in the Big 12. Uh, Big 12 is one of those conferences where anybody can beat anybody. And I'm glad Texas and OU is going to the SEC. Now we can show – we can assert true dominance. Just we had that chip on our shoulder, and one of our big things was culture. Uh, we played for one another, not not playing for ourselves. Uh, Sark had a saying, team success bring individual success. So that uh, our team success helped me get to where I'm at today. So I'm thankful for the teammates I had. Oh, yeah, it, it says a lot. Uh, like I said, our culture is what helped us get here. Uh, if you look at our year one, we went five and seven to making it to the college football playoff, putting Texas back on the map. It's, it's a great thing, just playing for one another, uh, going out there, dominating, having fun with our brothers, playing for one another, having success. Uh, it, it was a great feeling, you know. They make they make the hard throws look easy, and I feel like Quinn's been doing that since high school. That's why he had so so much success. And then, uh, me and Quinn have been close since, since high school, so we've always had a, a true connection. Uh, just doing something nobody has did in 20 years, going to Tuscaloosa and, and beating them by double digits and just having the opportunity to do that and being the last team that will ever do that. So it was a great experience. Um, just our fans, you know what I'm saying? Like playing at DKR, it's, it's a, it gives you chills just running out that tunnel, hearing 105,000 people screaming the Texas fight song. It's, just, it's, it's an unreal experience. 
Uh, I feel good about them. I'm glad they got in the SEC. I know they're going to go out there and dominate. Hook them. <laughs> all right, let's turn the hype machine up a little bit more. <laughs> it's all great, baby. Hey, by the way, somebody checked in from Cushing, Texas, and that is a first here on uh, Coffee and Football, and that one's near and dear to me, man. I grew up in Nacogdoches, so uh, uh, I like to see that Cushing, Texas. I saw Winfield, so when somebody checks in from Cushing, I gotta I, I gotta give them a shout out. Kyle Rollison. I saw Winfield, Louisiana. That's not far from where my dad was born. So and, yeah. and he mentioned the really good running back out of there too. That was yeah, a good Anthony one. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Sanders with some high praise for John Tay Cook. Y'all thoughts? I, I think we lost UT boy in the chat. He passed <laughs> out. Okay, no, he's back. He's back. Okay. I thought I, that that really kid that kick started his day. Um, but no, I think, you know, look, it's, a, we talk about it all the time, but this is, this is a spring of opportunity for a lot of guys, right? And it is, it is every year, but when you're coming off a college football playoff and you've recruited the talent that Steve Sarkeesian has, and you've had the success in the portal that he's had and will continue to have, then spring of opportunity is kind of what I look at. This is the real competition to me, uh, not so much August. There is competition, but this spring competition, this is where you can really solidify your place as a key member of the 2024 Texas team, who's going to be ranked top five preseason and a favorite to make the college football playoff. This is the spring of opportunity and competition. I, I look at it. I, I agree with you. This is a, this is also the year and, and I've been, thinking about how to how to say this but this is the year for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian to prove that they're going to be a national power on a sustained basis right they've got 11 guys going to the combine right and so they've got this huge exodus of talented players if they're able to put two years back to back in the college football playoffs what by while replacing all of those players, Jerry and Blake, I think that that says Texas is indeed quote unquote back and not just back, but potentially looking at really, really high level sustained success under Steve Sarkeesian. This is that year, in my opinion, for, for to go from one opportunity to your point, Jerry, to prove that they actually belong in any discussion to now we belong in the sustained discussion of what we're going to be. And, and you're right. That starts this spring with guys like Jonte Cook stepping up, right? He mentioned Arch Manning. And while Arch is not going to be the guy, he's still one of them, you know. Uh, Byron Murphy mentioning Anthony Hill the day before. He's one of those guys that has to take the leadership uh, throne, so to speak. I Look, I, I think this is a big year for that specific reason. It's the year that shows that Texas belongs among the elite. That's that's the key. And I'll I'll say this. Um, I actually believe this is going to be the if there's an easiest, uh, and it's never easy. So the word's going to sound weird. This is going to be the easiest coaching uh, year for Steve Sarkeesian because he knows this team accomplished a lot, but the big ones left out there. 
And so he doesn't have to worry about motivating this team. Uh, Tory Beckton's keeping them motivated in the offseason. You always have to worry about but and so it's hard, it's a hard thing to say the right way, but his team's gonna be locked in. And that's a great place to be as a coach. Uh, you have to continue to do things to keep them locked in. Uh, but when you get so when you get so close, but you don't quite get over the hump and win the national championship and you have all those guys coming back and the guys that came in from Alabama that were close to, and they those guys haven't won a national title either, by the way. Most kids that went to Alabama won a national title when they were there. That group of kids did not. So they still have something left to accomplish too in, in their one year before the NFL. So this is I'm a hoping, Jerry, to be Steve Sarkeesian coaching a football team. Jerry, I'm hoping that they have that edge. You keep saying they have it. We need to see them prove to us they still have it and yeah. that it's gone. And that that or that that it's there and that's something they're grasping onto because so many of these leaders left for the NFL. I mean, I that's that's my only question is do they have that drive to be great? Last year's team, I think, thought they had that drive, then got punched in the gut in Dallas, then questioned themselves, and then figured out they did have that drive yeah. at the end of the year, right? Yeah. This year's team's not going to get that. They're not going to be afforded that kind of luxury to kind of go in and out. They're going to have to decide from the start because the SEC is a different conference yeah. than the Big 12. I think that's going to help fuel it. Yeah, it could. You're right. That could be part of it. Hey, the fact that you your hair has to be raised every week on the back of your neck, <laughs> you know, you don't get to play Baylor and you know you're going to beat him by 30 with a Look, third string yeah. quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know how to say this. I mean, it sounds like you're taking shots at other schools, and I'm not, okay? But it, there's a difference for these kids that are on this Texas team. I say kids, young men, whatever you want to call it. All those kids grew up wanting to play in the SEC. Now they get their chance. I, it, I'm just not worried about this team in, in that regard. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna come out with a little, a lot to prove, um, and they're gonna much more enjoy playing the University of Florida versus Iowa State. Whether <laughs> no, I would agree with that. Whether Florida's up or down doesn't matter. It's these games, these kids, it's hard sometimes. I, re I really believe it's tough to get up for some of those games in the Big 12. And it's not because the teams aren't good, their coaches aren't good. Kids just don't grow up saying, I can't wait to play in Ames, Iowa, man. It just uh, that doesn't happen. I mean, it just doesn't. I can't wait to go play Kansas State in Manhattan. That's not a conversation that seven football recruits are having uh, in a locker room in Texas. Never, ever. Now, the conversations they do have are about to start taking place. And that's a good place to be. And with all that, I probably just jinxed everybody, so apologies. <laughs> I Look, I agree with you. It's much easier to get up to play the University of Florida than it is Iowa State. I mean, look, Iowa State's not going to be a national game. There's not going to be a lot of hoop, hoopla around it, even if Iowa State may have, you know, look, Iowa State had a Super Bowl quarterback for four years yeah. starting for him, a starting running back in the NFL starting for him, to, uh, to, uh, what, a starting wide receiver. They've had several big-time players, but it doesn't carry the cachet right. of the University of Florida. And we are talking about 19 to 20-year-old kids. That's right. Young men, to your point, not 45-year-olds that understand every day is a is a 
is the day at the office, right? You got to be at your best. I, there, there's, it's they're not pro football players yet, right? Um, they're they're still growing up. So I think I think there there's a, a lot of validity to that. Uh, the question again, though, is we hope that this is not the single year, right? Yeah. This is not somebody wrote it in the chat. We we're not looking for one year wonders or one hit wonders. We're looking for sustained success, and I think that that begins. Uh, in, in some parts, it's already started, but on the field, it actually begins this spring when we see which young guys are going to take the place or ready to fill the shoes of the guys that just exited. Uh, we're going to have more combine talk here in just a second. But, Bobby, before we get to that, can you tell folks out there about BKCW and how they can escape the insurance trap? Yeah, absolutely. Did your business have a frustrating insurance and or employee benefits renewal? Most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent is providing no value to you and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. Let BKCW take you out of that. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups. They've helped the on Texas football and nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. And we want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Friday right here on On Texas Football. And uh, guys, so as we said at the beginning, a couple of Longhorns ran yesterday, did some drills. Jerry, who are you the most impressed with? Yeah, so I obviously Byron Murphy had the best day. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, look, he grew up as a running back and he just grew out of the position, right? Um, but the thing with Byron is as he's gained weight, and you got to remember he was probably 275 his senior season at DeSoto, maybe got up to 280, 297 at the combine, which when you're six foot and a half and don't have long arms, it, it, it's it's not as easy to just stack weight, right? But he has maximized his frame, 297. The 488, 487, I think was his official time on NFL.com. That's impressive in itself, but it's the it's the 168, 10-yard split. And then the movement and the four-bag drill and, and the arc drill. And uh, he had a great day, vertical 33, which if you've seen him in person, verticaling 33 is, should not be a surprise, okay? I mean, that those are some powerful legs he's got, but... Uh, of, of he if he would went into yesterday 12 to 20 anywhere in that range and some people are, I know that's a big range but you just never know what's gonna happen in a draft right where guys go and people start to slide he solidified himself I think from 9 to 12 yesterday I think that's what he did Bobby uh, somebody mentioned Tavondre Sweat at 527 at 366 pounds is actually a really good time Considering McKinley Jackson of AM at 326 ran 526. Okay, so that's a really good time. But again, it's the 10 yard splits with these guys 1.87, 1.88, I think it was a 10 yard split. That's a really good number for a guy that's 6'4 and a half, 366. Um, 
I, I agree with Jerry. I don't know if he solidified nine through 12 for Byron Murphy, but he solidified a first round pick for himself. He's yeah. there's no chance he's getting out of the first round now. No chance. That that's that and he could have. He had a bad combine, yeah. he had looked stiff in drills, yada yada. He would have he could have dropped. He's not gonna drop out of the first round. No. So that Byron Murphy will be a first round draft pick. As far as Tavondre Sweat is concerned, um look, guys that big aren't supposed to be that agile and that mo. I mean, they're just not. He's not look, he's not 320, he's 366. That is a big, I mean, that's a big, big difference. And that's a lot of human to move. And so I think he actually performed extremely well, looked very good in drills, by the way, Jerry, especially the bag yeah. drills, uh, moving laterally. Um, just amazing for his size, which we should have known. I mean, we saw it. Uh, he Very good laterally as, as a Longhorn, uh, typically. Uh, the other thing I would say is uh, Jalen Ford, the linebacker, opted not to run yesterday. Um, and so uh, keep that in mind. What does that mean? Only thing he did was broad jump. He did 10-3, which is good for a linebacker. But it, I think he's going to work out at Texas Pro Day, which is scheduled for, by the way, we haven't talked about this, but Texas Pro Day scheduled for March 20th right now. So 20 days away from today, right? Um, I have one other thing. I, I just uh, texted with uh, the agent, uh, Jatavion Sanders, uh, as we we're coming on air. I asked him what he thought JT would run today. He said four sevens. He said he expects four sevens. Yeah, yeah. and he, he needs to he needs to hit that four six eight the four seven flat today. Yep. Well, I, needs- think, I think he can be between four. I'm just that that's what they're th- that's what they're expecting. They're not expecting some knockdown great combine workout. I think for JT, it's going to be how does he catch the ball? I yeah. mean, look. You don't have to be – he's not a 4-4 tight end, Jerry. He's not Amari Nye Black. He's not – what's the name of uh, Vernon Day – or guy from uh, Vernon Davis. He's yeah. not that kind of tight end. We know that. He's looking for second, third round type grade uh, potentially for him. All right, guys, we got a lot more to talk about this morning. And uh, let's start with recruiting. I know, Jerry, you've been tracking down visitors coming into Texas over the next couple of months. What's the latest there? Yeah, so uh, we, uh, On Texas Football broke the news this morning. That's that's out on OnTexasFootball.com, social media, that uh, Nick Townsend, the uh, four-star tight end out of Decaney uh, Spring, uh, north of Houston area. I guess it's technically Houston Decaney, but close to spring, right? Um he is officially visiting June 21st through 23rd. Uh, so that's a second tight end, Amari Winston. The commitment is also, Texas commits also visiting June 21st through 23rd. Keote Armstrong from Jasper, I believe, will make an official visit to Texas as well. But so now Nick Townsend has that official visit locked in. Texas is recruiting him as a tight end. Some schools have offered him as an edge. Linebacker, some have offered him as tight end. Sark and Jeff Banks were by DeCaney twice um, in December, January there. Uh, so, uh, he's a guy that will, was at the January 20 junior day. He'll be back April 6th for an unofficial visit. And then he'll come to Texas for his official visit in June. And that visit January 20th was the first time he'd ever been to Texas. Um, and obviously he, uh, he walked away very impressed. Uh, he's also going to visit, uh, Arizona state late April for an official visit. You're starting to see these official visits get earlier and earlier, uh, some of these schools competing with the Blue Bloods are trying to get these kids on campus in late April, early May to see, OK, can we can we give ourselves a shot here uh, or not? 
So I, I think that's smart strategy by those schools that are battling the Blue Bloods. Uh, Nick Townsend's also going to unofficially visit Texas A&M March 30th and USC during spring break. Um, I, I think those are probably your schools right now, uh, Texas, um, Texas A&M, USC. But we'll see. That can obviously change. Uh, but I think going into the spring, those are the three main teams. But again, uh, that visitor, we updated the official visitors list on OnTexasFootball.com. Uh, Caleb Chester, the corner out of Fort Bend Marshall in Missouri City there, June 7th through 9th official visit, as well as Cortland Guillory, uh, the safety defensive back from Klein Oak. Uh, so those are three new official visitors yesterday. The other big news is, and I kind of said this, um, you, you know, Brandon Brown, I talked to Brandon Brown from O'Galley, the five-star, four-star. I might would rank the guy as a five-star D-tackle, but let's call him a four-star for now. Defensive tackle commitment out of O'Galley there in, on the Space Coast in Melbourne. Um, he had told me June 10th through 12th when I talked to him on uh, earlier this week. And, and, I, and I said on here, we'll see if that date changes because Texas didn't have a midweek visitor uh, last year, last June. And he, he had told me he was going to leave the Tennessee visit June 7th through 9th and come to Texas. Well, Brandon put out yesterday, he changed that June 14th through 16th, which makes a lot more sense to me um, covering this stuff. So Brandon Brown, O'Galley, big time, big time D tackle. We ought to play his clips on here sometime if we're ever bored, um, which we shouldn't. Be <laughs> uh, but I think that might run people out of the chat. They go get their kid and say, you're not playing football anymore. Um, but so, I, you know, look, that June 14th, 16th weekend is going to be a big one for Texas. Uh, USC it, he gets a visit June 21st through 23rd. So there's three Texas targets this week who have locked in Texas visits June 14th, 16th, and go to USC the 21st through 23rd. That's Kelshawn Johnson, four-star receiver out of Hitchcock. That is Riley Pettijon, four-star linebacker out of McKinney. So we're starting to see not only were the Texas official visit dates and who's coming in when, but those are this is kind of being it's now building out. But then we're also seeing who's the main competition really going to be for these guys this year in this class. And you're going to have a lot of Texas versus Texas A&M on Oklahoma uh, on offensive line, Texas versus Oklahoma and A&M on offensive line, Texas and LSU are going to battle a little bit. See, I'm not sure how much Texas and Alabama. It used to be you'd look at Nick and see who he's coming in the recruit. And Alabama offered a guy like Kalik Lockett. We'll see if they actually get in it with the new staff. Uh, but Texas, LSU going to be some battles. Uh, so we're starting to see where these battles are going to come from. Now Texas, USC have a lot of similar official visit dates popping up. So uh, it, it's going to be a, if you love recruiting, then you're going to love these battles. It's about to get real coming up here in the spring evaluation period headed into uh, uh, June official visits. Man, just a ton going on, it sounds like. And you're doing a great job of running it all down, breaking news left and right. You Thanks, can see Dave. they're killing it right now, dude. You, you're breaking news left and right. And uh, a lot of people aren't even thinking about official visits yet. These guys are setting them up and y'all are posting them uh, like clockwork, Jerry. Good, good stuff, dude. I, by the way, we had somebody check in from Deer Park. Um, ah, Trey Day, uh, Brian White, one of the bigger catches in Matt Brown's tenure, by the way, at Nebraska. Heck of a throw by Major Applewhite. Uh, but uh, Bobby. We're before we get Sunday trivia going. <laughs> name the other Deer Park guys that signed with Texas. Other Deer Park, uh, well, uh, Tommy Jeter would be the 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 yep. best Texas player. Every I think he's second or third round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
He would be one. Um, man. Can I, you, want, you want me to chime in? It's an offensive lineman, right? Keith Frierson and the first Mike Garcia to sign with Texas. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that that makes sense. The other one was from uh, uh, not Channel View, but from uh, Galena Park, right? Well, and there, yeah, the reason I brought that up too is uh, yeah, my dad was coaching the Houston area at the time, and 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 so Deer Park was a team they played. Obviously, Corey Pulig, some of those guys that came through. Deer Park was really good for a run there, um, a really good. And then I remember a game Deer Park played against a Leland McElroy at Beaumont Central, and that was that game had some hellacious talent on the field. Corey Pulig liked to throw the ball to Zach Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what Corey Pulig will be remembered for. He was a good quarterback, though, uh, and I, I mean that because Texas Tech, I think, defeated uh, a uh, A&M team at that time that, uh, that was pretty good. But uh, Corey was a good player. Uh, look, uh, Deer Park is – they used to be known for basketball in the – when I was growing up and then became Ron Lynch became the head coach at Deer yep. Park in the eighties and uh, kind of took them to new heights. Then he moved over to spring Westfield where he had uh, a ton of talent as well. But um, my, my take on all of that, Jerry, in that area and all these guys that, that are checking in from, from everywhere. I, I just appreciate it because I have memories of all these places going by their high schools. Yes, right? same. I mean, so whether it's somebody, uh, you know, mentioned Winfield, Louisiana. I saw Amarillo High School. I mean, my favorite, my favorite cheer, by the way, in all of Texas high school sports, Amarillo's Amarillo High School has the best cheer of all. Okay, their their nickname is the Sandies. So S A N D I E S, right? You know what their cheer is? Blow sand, blow. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just love that's part of the fun of, of Texas high school sports. Blow, sand, blow, and they just say it for like five seconds, ten seconds. Yeah. Well, you heard Jerry mention the word trivia, and if you haven't heard already, on Sunday night, beginning at seven p.m. right here on the On Texas Football YouTube channel, we're going to do a bit of a trivia game. It's going to be Bobby Burton versus Jerry Hamilton versus Rod Babers. I'm going to post the link right now in the chat. If you haven't already, please go there and fill that out. It's three questions. It's for the family feud type section of the game. Uh, literally take maybe 30 seconds to fill that out, and we would appreciate your input, your answers on that. Or you can head on over to ontexasfootball.com, and uh, we have it posted over there. In the I want to add, I wanna add another bet. I want to add another bet, okay? So if I beat Bobby, <laughs> then he has to read Manscaped. But let's let's go Rich Eisen here. If Rod beats Bobby, Bobby has to run a 40 on video for coffee and football. <laughs> Bobby's what? like, what are you going to catch all these strays? Here's the deal. Y'all are trying to disgrace me, okay? <laughs> There's nothing I can do to disgrace Jerry Hamilton. He has no chance. <laughs> There's <laughs> It's like I, I, only, I lose this, only I lose in this scenario. Jerry wins. That's That's – that's how Jerry has it planned out. <laughs> well, be sure to tune in at 7 o'clock. You'd be always ready to bet on it. <laughs> this Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, right here on the On Text Football YouTube channel. Be sure to check it out. We'll be doing that live, and uh, we'll see if Bobby has to read the Manscaped that. So, <laughs> it's, he rolls his eyes. Colton, Colton just hit me. This is where you bet no Chick-fil-A for a week if I lose. Ooh, that's, I mean, that's painful. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a question a second ago and i meant to cue it up and i forgot to 
if you crave Chick-fil-A on Sundays when obviously they're closed. Of course, sometimes I'll just get a, go get a Chipotle and sit in the outdoor Chick-fil-A and just yeah, act like it's Chick-fil-A, you know. <laughs> Chipotle? There's nothing like Chick-fil-A. Well, well they raising canes or, I don't know. Well, the Chipotle's right next to it. So, you know, oh. you go get Chipotle and you go sit in the Chick-fil-A outdoor seating and write a story or something. Oh, man. Canes is better than Chick-fil-A anyway, Jerry. All right, guys, we got some super chats that we got to get to. And we're going to start with this one from Jay Lee, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the combine. Thank you, Jay Lee, by the way. He says, can we get some predictions of our skill guys 40 times on record? Bobby, you go first, then Jerry. And he wants to hear about Worthy, Mitchell, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So JT Sanders, I just said that about if you're just joining us, we've had a couple hundred people join us. Uh, I, I talked to, I got a text from uh, – JT's agent uh, about 10 minutes uh, ago, 15 minutes ago, um, expects to run in the four seven range today. Not, he didn't say four sevens or four six five. I mean, just put four seven down. So that would be one. Uh, Xavier Worthy, I'm going to go four three oh. I think that's his range. Any plus or minus four three two really would be my, if he's below four three two, he's going up in the draft. If he's above four three five, He's going to probably fall and drop a little bit. Uh, uh, Adonai Mitchell, uh, Adonai Mitchell, I'm going to say four four five. That would be a big one for him now. Yeah, I think it's going to. I think he's going to try to hit four four five. Ryan Watts is interesting. Yeah, is he going to run? Because DBs go today, Jerry. Yes, it's a big one. Um, so it's not just JT Sanders. Ryan Rock Watts runs today, and I consider that a skill position guy. Um, uh, I'm going to go with him a four five five. Even though I know what they said they got him at at the one of the bowl at the shrine game. Um, I, I just want to see it happen. because uh, if he's at low four fives, high four fours, that may change all prognosis of him. So not all, but a lot. Yeah. Um, if Mitchell runs sub four five, he's had a really good day for me. I'm I'm thinking four five two, four five three, but I could be off on that. Like I said, these guys actually train for the 40. Um, I think in a game, I don't, he doesn't play four, four, right. That doesn't mean you can't run four, four. Um, Ryan Watts needs to, he, Ryan needs to hit mid four. He needs to hit the low four fives. Yeah. All right. So what about JT and, and X? Jerry. Um, JT, I guess I'll go four, seven, three. I mean, four, seven, four. I was hoping he'd be a four, six, seven guy. Um, he looks like a four sevens guy on, on the field to me. Xavier's tougher for me. I, you know, once you get down that range, I don't think he's going to put up any kind of crazy time. I could be wrong on that. I'm going to say four, three, four. We're in the same area. Oh, well, what about Keelan Robinson? Well, yeah, he, yeah, but he's a running back. It's not today. That's a good point. Four, three, five for me on Keelan. Man, if he runs that fast, that's something. Dude, he's going to definitely run that fast. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a quick start guy, Jerry. Yeah, he's ten. His ten yard split's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, he's a quick start guy. I'll go four, four, three. Okay. That's 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 our biggest gap, actually. Uh, of of all the players, our biggest gap is Keelan Robinson. It's interesting. Uh, Jay, somebody's asking about Jay Witt. I I'm I'm totally guessing on that. I'd be totally guessing on that. What do you think, Bobby? Mid four fives. 
No, I think he's going to test better than that. Um, I would say four five flat. Four four eight to four five two. That'd be a good number for him. Trying to think, we forgot anybody here, but I think y'all got everyone, didn't you? Yeah, it's it's funny. Jay, Jay Witt's always the forgotten man in those discussions. Yeah. yeah. Notice how that just happened because you know what? He was a forgotten man in many respects during a football season where he was such a key player. Yeah. As as a team guy. That's uh that's interesting how we, we look at it that way sometimes. Uh, and and it, it carries through to the media as well. Somebody asked about Christian Jones. Obviously, I don't I don't even care about his 40, but his 10 yard split is the number there. Um, and then then you're five ten five and your Elkhorn are big there. Well, Jerry, for those that aren't real familiar with the draft, what's a good ten yard split for an offensive lineman? I think if I think Christian's ten yard split will beat Sweats. I'll say that he's got those soccer feet, and that soccer athleticism his body his body's matured. I think he's going to be in the one point eight split range, not one point eight oh in the one point eight. Apostrophe S is split somewhere in there. So let me say this. Um, so t- I, I learned this 30 years ago when I first started doing this. 10-yard splits are important for line, offensive and defensive linemen, much more important than 40-yard dashes because it measures quickness, right, um, or explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. So I was always told that if a player is in perfect shape or great shape and they have a 1.8 10-yard split, they should be running a 4-8 40-yard dash. So you just basically add three seconds to the 10-yard to, to split. So that is what, they, what they're saying. Now, some people, when you get up to the Xavier Worthies of the world, and, of course, the Usain Bolts, they, they actually accelerate it through it and are faster than that, right, in the 20 through the 40. Um, but my point, my point to that being, you know, Tavondre Sweat, not in perfect shape, right? Yeah. One runs a 1.88 and then runs a 5.27. So if he was in perfect shape, Tavondre would have run a 4.88. That's really – that's smoking for a guy that, that that is that big. Yeah, so essentially if he was 320 pounds, he's probably running 4.89 in the 40. Or, or, or five, or five yeah. flat. Or just yeah. something a little. But Byron Murphy, 1.68 to a 4.88. So he's a big guy. They're going to add a little bit, right? right? But these skill guys, if they come out of the gates flying, and they're, if they're their ten yard splits one point four, they're running four four or four three. So just just remember that. That's how the that's how to to equate. I was always taught to equate a big man's athleticism vis a vis the forty yard dash. Add three seconds past their ten yard split. Brandon Huey said, I, honestly, I could still run a 4-7. I think I saw him do that down Bevo Boulevard before a game this year. <laughs> Good job, Brandon. Uh, we're going to take a couple more questions on the draft, and then we'll switch subject, subjects here. But Connor Vaughn wants to know, who's more likely to go undrafted, Keelan Robinson or Ryan Watt? I think Keelan is more likely to go undrafted than Ryan. Um, uh just a Keelan's more of a boutique player. He's a guy that you typically find as a underafted free agent. He's a gunner, may get some time as as a, a kick returner, 
those guys often go, they don't go in the draft. They, they, they are undrafted free agents. And, and that's actually sometimes good for them. Right. Because they can go find a spot that makes sense. You know, who, who has a kick returning job open? Who has a gunner job open? Uh, Watts would be more likely to be drafted to those two, I think. But, hey, we could all change that today. Keelan Robinson runs a 4-3-5. That, he's getting drafted. And, and then Ryan Watts runs a – if Ryan Watts runs a 4-6, I, I don't think he's going to get drafted. He runs in the 4-4s, Ryan Watts probably going to get drafted. And then this next question here from Living Rent-Free in UT says, it's Ford's draft stock down after not competing yesterday? Man, I think so. I I think so. Do you you guys agree or no? Yeah, doesn't he needs, help. To, he needs to have a good throw day at Texas because he didn't have long arms either. That, that was the thing. Seventy four and a half wingspan at six two. That you're pretty much seen as a neutral wingspan guy. Yeah, you're you're plus two. Well, you no, that is neutral actually. I mean, so you're a neutral wingspan guy. Where Adrian Cooper at A and M. Hello, player, by the way, had an 80-inch wingspan at 6'2". Massive number. Massive number for a linebacker. Okay. It is time for you to shine, Jerry Hamilton. Tell folks out there about Manscaped. Can you hear it? Yep, yep, it's that time, guys. It's that time. 2024 is here in full swing. That means it's time to get out your Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep that bush tamed. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim or that clean shaven look, this trimmer in my hand has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, and that number's growing. Now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use on Texas all caps for 20% off plus free shipping. The ball is dropped, but don't drop the ball on your balls, guys. Five point oh. That's a five point oh read. What's next? Oh man. I don't even know how to follow up with that. It's hard. It's hard. I, I was, people are wanting me to say, all right, all right, all right, in the chat, and I was going to, and then you just completely, just completely got me off my game there. So let's talk baseball, and I'll get back to that here in a minute. And uh, a big weekend, well, actually a big next five days or so for the Texas baseball program. They're going to start with L number three LSU tonight, 7 o'clock followed by Texas State tomorrow at 3, and then number 9, Vandy, Sunday at 11. And then Tuesday, they'll be taking on a top 10 Texas A&M team. So a very tough stretch here over the next four games, and it's not like Texas State is some slouch either. But uh, I did post some baseball notes over on ontexasfootball.com, well, actually just right when the show started. And uh, the Horns will start LeBaron Johnson Jr., LSU is going to trot out Luke Holman, and that's going to be a heck of a matchup. And I actually prepared something for this, if I can get it here. I mean, this shows you how good, and I put on on TexasFootball.com, that this is probably the best pitching matchup wow. in the nation, regardless of team, in the month of March. I mean, you can see Holman there, 12.1 innings pitched. 
uh, zero earned runs. He's 18 strikeouts. His opponent batting average is .125. Meanwhile, LBJ, 13 innings pitched, two earned runs, uh, 14 strikeouts, and his opponent opponent batting average is .175. So that's a huge pitching matchup. If you love pitching, definitely check that out tonight. And then also uh, Saturday against Texas State, we've learned that Charlie Hurley will get the start for the Longhorns. And then on Sunday against number nine, Vanderbilt, you'll see Cody Howard. So Where's Holman from, Blake? Big Where's he's there? That's a great question, Bobby. Let me uh, look here real quick. He is from Wilson High School in Sinking Springs, Pennsylvania. He's actually a transfer from Alabama. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. Man, everybody hit the portal when Nick retired. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, going into this, th that game against A&M, by the way, is in is at Dish Fall. Yes. Um, and so I think uh, this weekend it's down in uh, the juice box in Houston, right? Yeah. All of those games. So LSU tonight, Texas State on Saturday, and then Vandy on Sunday, uh, and then A&M in Austin on Tuesday. You can bet that that uh, left field uh, group is going to be out there uh, and going. Uh, you mentioned all this stuff, uh, uh, Blake. Is there anything else we need to be uh, yeah. looking for as it relates to baseball this week? I don't go know. Ahead. Go ahead, Blake. I have basketball. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, really, Texas needs to pull at least two out of the next four in. Uh, and preferably, no. I mean, Texas State's obviously a given. But a win against LSU go a long way. Or number nine, Vanderbilt. Of course, everyone wants to beat a in the home. But, man, if, if you can win two this weekend and then somehow come out with one on Tuesday – that's that's phenomenal. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. It's going to help the RPI when they do the seating down the road, you know, for the uh, regionals. So, yeah, it, it's a huge weekend for Texas. And we're going to learn a lot about this team because, I mean, this is, like I said earlier this week, this isn't Cal Poly, you know, or one of those schools, St. John's type deal. I mean, you're <laughs> LSU is extremely, extremely talented, as is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has struggled a little bit this year, a couple upsets early in the season. That doesn't mean they're not a good team. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yep, starting tonight, 7 p.m. And uh, we did have somebody in the chat ask if it's going to be a Longhorn Network. They had heard it was. I think it was Kyle who said that. I uh, Texas did not tell me that. When I asked what, you know, where it's going to be at, they said that you can watch it uh, on YouTube, on the Astros, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube channels. Along with the Space City Home Network, I'm guessing that's something in Houston. Jerry, maybe you can talk about that. Um, but that's where you can watch all three games this weekend. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, we have uh, also a basketball big game Saturday. Oklahoma State in Austin looking, and I don't want to call it a must win, but you very much need to win uh, coming off the win at uh, Texas Tech. Texas is firmly in the NCAA tournament, right? 
if they just take care of business for the last two home games, the tough games, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, uh, you hit the 20 win mark and, and you have a good chance to get off that eight, nine seed line. Um, but you can't drop a home game in Oklahoma State. You got you got to build off of something and win this game headed into Big Monday in Waco. Uh, Trevor Gooseby's little brother, Austin Gooseby, will be one of the unofficial visitors at the game Saturday, 6'5 and a half, 6'6, uh, 2026 shooting guard. Um, who has Texas, Duke, Kansas, and now North Carolina, all contacting his AAU coach. So this is a Austin Gooseby. You know, Trevor was a later developer physically. Austin's a little ahead of that curve, uh, but Austin had a really good sophomore season up at Melissa. They lost in the second round of the playoffs, so a pretty good Longview team. I think he averaged around 21, 22 a game. Uh, but Austin Gooseby is going to end up being a top 50 kid nationally in that 26 class. And he is definitely on the radar of Texas uh, and a lot of blue bloods now. Uh, and he'll be visiting Kansas this spring as well. Blowing up, blowing up. Okay, guys, we got another uh, super chat here that we need to get to. And now we're going to jump over to football recruiting. For, and this is from Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. He says, I see anybody saying Davison and Stewart are silence. Any comment, gentlemen? I mean, I think there's a, I think some guys have, I think there's some silent commitments. I'll say that. And Billy is the, Billy is a, a reporter. Billy Embody is a reporter that covers LSU, just to be clear. Um, and so he's saying Ricky Stewart, the running back out of Tyler Chapel Hill, and Jordan Davison, the running back out of, uh, out of uh, Santa Ana Mater Day, are silenced to Texas. I, well, let, let's, let's let, there's a reason we don't talk on these matters. So let's just let that sit. I'll throw There's a reason I'll, I'll, an LSU reporter might set, step out there with that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'll throw y'all. Yeah, I mean, no offense, but. I'll throw y'all a few carrots. I think there's five or six kids that Texas feels really good about right now. And that means silent. So silent commitments are one that are tough for me because, um, you know, in the NIL, NIL world, things change. And then King Me wants to put you on the spot, Jerry. He says, based on scouting, who's your number one running back in the 25 class? It's mm. a good question, Nat. And Nashley, I want to see these guys this spring a little bit. I, I want I really like, I'll tell you, there's a kid in South Georgia that's phenomenal, man. I mean, um, Bobby, I sent him to you a while, but Harlan Berry isn't for me because seeing it, and I think he's tremendous. But when you're saying number one running back, the guy that I could see going number one in, in the draft or one of those rare first-rounders, Harlem has – he's got a sleek build, right? I mean, he's a sleek – he's almost built more like a wide receiver or built like Jamal Charles. So he's not that natural running back build, let's say that. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a great player, but we're talking projecting way out on this stuff, right? And I think Harlem's going to be hell on wheels in college because in – in space, he's going to be tough. Um, but uh, a Kalen Deer out of Mississippi is real. A Kalen Deer is really good too, guys. I mean, he, he is a really good player. Uh, but the kid in South Georgia um, has my attention. I'll, I'll look him up. I can never pronounce his name, but I'll find it and send it to uh, Blake. He's very good. 
And then another question from Champ Bailey Three. He says, "Jerry, do you believe Racine Gilroy could be running back number one for 2026?" I think it'll be two running back class. I think uh, Tradarian Ball at Texas High is very good as well. I think the kid at Forney uh, Osborne's a good player, but I think Guillory, you know, look, he Sark always says he wants different backs in every class, right? I mean, what's interesting to me is Jordan Davison's more in that Christian Clark, Jarrett Gibson mold. And then a Ricky Stewart's more in that slasher, but is a true running back mold. Um, 2026, I see Guillory the same as Ricky Stewart with maybe even more juice, but Stewart's faster uh, than people think, talking to the coaches that go against him. Uh, they all said about Ricky Stewart, the speed on film's evident, the speed in person's more evident. So, uh, but I think I, I think Guillory's a very good prospect, uh, and I, I Tredarian Ball is as well. Tredarian Ball's been running 10-5, 10-6 this spring already at 5'11", 185 pounds. That's getting it for a sophomore. And then Daniel wants to know, how many tight ends do you guys think we will take in 2025? I think it'll be a two tight end class. Amari Winston's committed, visiting June 21st through 23rd. On Texas Football broke the news this morning that Nick Townsend out of Decaney uh, is visiting June 21st through 23rd. I th also think Keody Armstrong from uh, Jasper is in that mix as well. If Texas walked away with two of those three guys, they'd be happy. Okay, guys. Then we got Ooh, Wyatt Wemai Wemayer. I'm not gonna say your last name right. Has a heck of a good question. All right, Bobby, trivia time. <laughs> Who is the biggest Texas D commit of all time? Woo! At the time, it was Ryan Paraloo. At the time, it, it uh, that was a uh, you know does Marcus Dupree count? Uh, I don't know that Marcus Dupree was ever actually committed to Texas. They didn't really call it that back in the day. At that time, he was definitely going to Texas at one point. Um, but no, the, the 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 question that that it, that comes out there is, uh, you know, that worked out really well for Texas because Ryan Paralu was going to be in the same class as Colt McCord. Yeah, and so uh, that worked out the best. But Paralu in the mid two thousands was going to be the heir apparent to uh, Vince Young after Chris Sims after Young. Uh, then going on down the line, uh, I think it worked out great for Texas. So sometimes, you know, things work out for the best. That that would be my biggest decommitment of all time. I think. So this, I love this because the people, uh, the, the people in the chat make it awesome. These questions are awesome. Quinn Ewers at the time, that was a big one. A. Sean I mean, Robinson. He's only committed for like two weeks. Yeah. A. Sean Robinson uh, was a big one for Mac at the time. Uh, but I, I'll say this too on Ryan Paralu. I I went down the reserve to see him two or three times play, and he was a hellacious talent, guys. I mean, there was a reason he was being kind of comp to Donovan McNabb. I sometimes it's better when recruits go away from home, and I really think Ryan Paralu's career would have been different if he had got away from home. He needed to get away from home. Some kids do. And he did not, and I don't think that was a good thing for that kid. He was extremely talented. I think you're right about that. I mean, New Orleans and Baton Rouge sometimes a little too close. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do one more recruiting question, and then we're going to switch gears here. And uh, Jay Smooth says, Jerry, do you have thoughts or concerns on Kelshawn, Pettijohn, and Brandon Brown going to USC for an official visit on the last weekend of June? 
I know you're mentioning that's supposed to be one of our big recruiting weekends. Well, Texas has two, June 14th through 16th and the 21st through 23rd. So I think either one of those are good. Look, here's what I'll say. I'm not, I don't, I'm not concerned that USC's getting those guys in last. Um, I think, uh, I think that's just the way this, the battles are going to be right. Um, I think Texas needs, they can't have all their guys in on the 21st through 23rd. And the way things are kind of shaking out, the 14th through 16th may end up actually being the bigger weekend. So we'll see when Elijah Barnes and Michael Fasusi, when they release their uh, official visit dates, um, as some of those guys, Jordan Davis, and when's he going to release his official visit date, right? Uh, but you're starting to, some of this is starting to come together a little bit, but I think those weekends are going to be split with really good players. And look, I, the one thing is, look, Brandon Brown's visiting Tennessee June 7th through 9th. They're going to, they're going to be a player in this recruitment. He hasn't set up an official visit with Florida. I mean, he has multiple family members that played at the University of Florida, and he's on the Space Coast in Melbourne. So I think people are – and we talk about USC and Texas are going to battle on some of these guys, but it's more than just USC for Brandon Brown versus Texas. That Tennessee visit's going to factor in. Uh, that eventual Florida visit's good, definitely going to factor in. All right, Bobby, before we move on here, I'm going to let you tell, tell folks out there about BKCW. Yeah, absolutely. BKCW is our sponsor. Each and every Friday uh, for the uh, coffee and football, BKCW is a good friend of ours. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas, and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your business insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, and more in Central Texas escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with just a free risk assessment. That's right. It's completely free. Go to BKCW.com or send an email to info at BKCW.com to get started with a free risk assessment and or a claims audit and escape the insurance trap. That's right. It's free. Just give them a contact bkcw.com or go to or send them an email info at bkcw.com thanks guys for your sponsorship of on texas football and coffee and football isaiah stewart's got a great question another one for the chat and for us 903 great question 903 putting me on the spot here uh what was the biggest texas high school rivalry for football and hoops so hmm. this is gonna this is gonna kind of Depend on where you live. I think the old Odessa Permian Midland League is going to be one for people in West Texas, the little Southwest Conference. I can tell you right now, the coolest, my most favorite high school game I go to or I've been or have been to is when Lufkin plays at Longview. <laughs> okay. Longview has the kind of the bowl stadium. Uh, Lufkin and Longview for a period of time, they were playing twice a year because of uh, regular season and, and playoffs. But there's a guy in the Longview stands. I think he has a megaphone and he makes this howling lo Lobo, uh, you know, wolf noise the whole game. But Lufkin and Longview gets pretty amped up, guys. Uh, P&G and Nederland, Britt Rasko, that's a, uh, that's a good one. 
um, for sure. Midland Leo Desipermian. That's I think a lot of people would say Midland Leo Desipermian uh, is a big one. Uh, you know, East Texas has a lot. Of, I mean, you can go to Gilmer Gladewater and it's unbelievable on a Friday night, right? Smaller schools, Bobby, anything pop in the year, in the year. And by the way, in basketball, basketball was easy for me. Whoever Willard was playing when TJ and Daniel were there, those road games are off the charts, man. <laughs> Does Galveston ball and, and uh, Lamar still have a big one? They don't because Lamarck's fallen off the map, but you had, that's a great one, Blake. Galveston Ball and Lamarck, especially when Nick Boris and Alan Waddell were the coaches there and had all that talent coming through, that was uh, that was big. Yeah, in my Cole area. Pepper. Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Pat Culpepper was the coach there too. Yep. The Battle of the Bridge, uh, yep. the Galveston Bridge. I, you know, uh, Yates Madison was big. That was big. Um, Yates Cashmere was big at a time. Uh, you know. It's interesting to me, like Westlake and Lake Travis should be a big game, but they don't really play, you know? Yeah. Um, there are rivalries that we're studying by. Right now, I think the best rivalry in the state is actually Duncanville versus North Shore. Or DeSoto. Yep. Yeah, but, yep. but my point is, both teams, what, six of the last seven or eight years have played for all the marbles? Yep. Whatever the number is. So I, I feel like there's a lot of, of big ones up there. Austin Reagan used to, uh, yeah. So those those kind of intersectional ones, because in the state of Texas, you're right, Jerry, it depends on where you're from, Yeah. right? Everybody has like Dallas, you talk about Duncanville, DeSoto and uh, that sort of stuff. I mean, Garland, <laughs> Garland Lakeview used to be a big one. I mean, I, there's a bunch of, of, of big time rivalries that I would say, uh, my point being to, to all of this um, is that it, that kind of depends. The ones that become interesting to me beyond just the local area are the ones that become intersectional, right? Like Duncanville, uh, uh, Duncanville uh, versus uh, North, Shore. North Shore. Yeah, I'll throw another one out because it was somebody asked mentioned earlier in the chat. And this is how things have changed, right? As cities change, state change. Somebody brought up Stratford Spring Woods so, earlier in the chat on a different subject. And that's what made me want to bring this up. For years, Stratford Spring Woods was an unbelievable a little rivalry there in the Houston area. But things obviously have changed. People, uh, dip, schools change, uh, uh, di dynamics change there. Um, I was thinking basketball, Luck and Longview is a street fight. I totally agree with that. Uh, I'll tell you – a couple of small school ones, Britt Rasco might like these. Jasper Silsby or Jasper West Orange Star uh, for years. So in my area, it's Brownwood versus Stephenville. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. a great one. That's a great one. Long, long, long time rivalry there for sure. Hey, does so. Stephenville still have the the uh, the rattler like things? Oh, they Bobby's oh, just got a headache from the Astrodome, and and then they, <laughs> they <still have laughs> it drives that. me crazy. It drives yeah. me absolutely. I mean, tell explain to people what it is. If you if you've never been to a Stephenville High School football game, Blake, explain to people exactly what they do because it is. I mean, I I first saw it I guess in the late '80s when Brandon Stewart was the quarterback there. Yeah. So what, what they do is they get like a propane. 
a propane tank, you know, yep. like you would use for your grill. And uh, they put BBs or whatever it may be in there, some kind of loud noise maker, and then seal it. And they shake that thing from 30 minutes before the game starts till the final seconds of, well, actually, probably about five minutes after <laughs> the game finishes. It's nonstop. But for those that don't know, Steamville Brownwood, 60 miles apart. And it's been a, a little less than 60, but been a huge rivalry going back for, well, since Gordon Wood was coach at Brownwood, probably before that. Um, so a lot of fun, though. A lot of fun. Really the epitome of some small town football. Ooh, Tony Slots has a great question, too. This might be a good one. 909. Ah. Jerry Bobby Blake. What is your guys' best college football team of all time? Some say Miami. I say Miami, 2001. Some say 2005 Texas. Others say 2019 LSU. What do y'all think? I don't think it's 2019 LSU. I mean, that team almost lost in Austin. To Tom To a team that wasn't all that good. Um, now, they may be – it's possible they're the best offense of all time. Yeah. Not the best team. Um, I thought the 2001 or 2000 Miami team, whatever it was, was really good on great on on defense. And even though they had great talent on offense, Andre Johnson, McGahee, uh, I think, I mean, who, who they had what four or five guys that were just all pro. I thought they were much better on defense than they were on offense. Um, I don't know. I, I think I would. I think 05 Texas is as good as any of them. Texas was not. The thing about Texas is they had a great transcendent quarterback, right? Yeah. They had really great offensive line. Like I would put that Texas offensive line up against the – definitely up against the 2019 uh, offensive line of, of uh, LSU or the 01 Miami offensive line. That's the one – that is the one thing where that – I think the Texas secondary was as good, if not better, than the Miami secondary. Now, Miami had some all pros in that group, so let's be clear. Um, but I look, LSU had to outscore everybody. That was the only way they were winning. Man, almost lost to Texas. Yeah, I, I know, but that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. They had to outscore everybody. So I, I think they were a great team, though. I mean, they were a great team because they could score. I mean, Joe Burrow to this day is remains one of the fastest processors in the game of football from a quarterback perspective, more than, more than amply talented. Don't get me wrong. Good athlete, quick arm, all that stuff. But Joe Burrow see to this day sees things before 90% of NFL quarterbacks. And he was doing that his final year in Baton Rouge. Um, I would, I, I call me a homer. I, I go with Texas in 2005. The the one thing about Texas 05, and I think Miami with the the 01 team that they're un, unbelievable. Um, I think they had that roster had the most draft picks of any team ever. Um, but Pete Carroll said if we ever lost a game, it was going to be to a player that was just better than everybody else. Exactly, and the, and he did. I, I completely agree. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Texas combined with that offensive line. Yeah. That Texas offensive line was better than LSU offensive line, better than Miami offensive line. The late 80s, the Jimmy Johnson Miami teams are really good too. Yeah, but yeah. Really good. 
But I mean, like if the, the what's crazy about those Miami teams is, you know, FSU and Florida, the state of Florida was dominating college football at that time. I mean, all three schools won national championships, right? From the Jimmy Johnson run through Bobby Bowden and Steve Spurrier, right? I mean, dominant in college football, uh, dominated the draft, all of it. Uh, so that Miami was the best for that period of time, really said something. I mean, how many national championships did they take away from Bobby Bowden? Yeah, I think about the, the, they all had talent. Miami, Florida, and Florida State all had talent. Miami had the dudes that ended up being Hall of Famers. That's right. I mean, all of them, all three of them had first round draft picks. Yep. Out the kazoo. <laughs> I mean, all of them. Yeah. Miami's the one that had the Hall of Famers. Yep. I mean, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis. I mean, you, Frank Gore. I it's mean, crazy. It's crazy to think about. Edron James. <laughs> he just. Uh, all three schools had a Heisman Trophy winner in that era, too. That's crazy when you start thinking about – I think somebody from all three of those schools also won every major college football award in that time span. That is crazy to think about. Hey, and their Heisman winners weren't that good, by the That's way. That's right. I mean, Danny Cannell, eh. I mean, he was just a product of the system. Gino Toretta was like the biggest product of the system of all time. Charlie Ward, Danny Cannell, and Chris Winkie. Yeah, and Charlie Ward, NFL player. Char or Charlie Ward, not Danny Cannell. Charlie Ward played ba pro basketball. Yeah, I mean, so I, the uh, 2001 Miami defense was so good that if the offense never scored a touchdown in a single game, they still would have went eight and four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, is that not the craziest stat ever? Look, I think they're great. I, I, that's. The, the issue there is they you still had Ken Dorsey at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and he, he I, you know, anyways. Yeah. Fun discussion, nonetheless, for sure. There right, is guys. the most important – remember, quarterback is the most important position in football. And if you're going with a team as the best of all time that doesn't have a great quarterback, I think you're missing the point. Hey, and by the way, that whole discussion about the state of Florida then also it's how much recruiting's changed. And I always go back to this Miami, those kids in Dade and Broward County until recruiting changed and they started going out in the world, so to speak, and seeing what, what else was out there. They had no idea what else was out there. That changed recruiting because those kids didn't know that Miami was losing the facilities war big time they didn't realize what else was out there and when recruiting changed seven on seven all these things uh, the earlier process recruiting process started happening those kids are like whoa I, I go visit georgia tennessee alabama all these places it doesn't even compare facility wise to miami that's when the game of recruiting changed for miami i went down to uh see i went down to see uh Andre Johnson and Edron James one year uh, to go see that. Not one year. I can't remember if it was together, but I'd always go to Dade and Broward yeah. every year. And I saw Andre Johnson in high school. Oh. I had been told, I had been told before I went to see him by a college coach, if there is ever a prettier wide receiver in this world than Andre Johnson, I'll kiss your foot. <laughs> 
And he was right. Yeah, no doubt. Because, like, Randy Moss was a better wide receiver. He's like an all-time whatever, right? Because he's just super freak athlete. But Andre Johnson, you could tell he was going to be big enough. Like, he did, Randy Moss still had twig legs, right? right. I mean, but Andre Johnson in high school looked like he could have gone straight to the NFL. He he was Julio Jones before Julio Jones. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. He uh, Edrin James. I mean, Edrin James is from a sugarcane town, a hundred percent, Florida. And I, when you go and watch him, I mean, they didn't think they were going to. This is back before when SAT scores mattered. They were worried they couldn't get him into school. He literally was down. I mean, he was going. Both of those guys didn't even look at other schools. Really. Hey, and by the way, what Bobby's referencing, of all the places I've ever been, the worst smelling place I've ever been for a game <laughs> was uh, Glades uh, <laughs> and Pahokee in a spring game. It, that Those those sugarcane fields, when the wind's blowing the wrong direction, my gosh. That, was that, that and the bugs that were about, I don't know, as big as this. That was a little different. Too. Uh, you've obviously never been to New Iberia. Uh-huh. Uh, you get the smell coming through there of that Tabasco factory. Yeah. <laughs> that that that'll wake up your nose hairs. You know what I mean? That's like this, your whole nose just goes nuts. Um, the stockyards, too, by the way, in Amarillo. Ooh, that can be brutal. <laughs> We're going to end this stream with this question here from E. Kim since we're talking about other teams. Morning from Rockford, Illinois. Which Texas pro, pro sports team is the next to win its championship? Oh, its championship. It's first? Okay. Um, hmm. I guess just a championship. Wow. That's a good question. Well, I think Astros and Rangers. I mean, yeah. they're still going to be the last half of that's correct. Yeah, what one of them, you know. Well, I'm serious. I, I mean, they they were the two best teams in baseball last yeah. year. Uh, now, Otani going to the Dodgers kind of changes that calculus. Um, yeah, the new pitcher they got's insane, too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So, Dodgers, I don't know. I look, I, I know the Cowboy fans aren't going to like to hear this, yeah, but the Texans got a quarterback that's a dude. And Dak Prescott is really, really good. I'm not sure you're ever going to call him a dude. Like he's not over the top. So you're going to, so you're going to have to surround. I, I just, I don't know. Wimby at either of the, any of the NBA teams, Jerry. I mean, Wimby will probably get one eventually just because he's so good. If he stays healthy and he's really starting to show it like, he he's come on now. Um, he may win defensive player of the year in year one. If he doesn't, it's just busy on a crappy team. Uh, but if they can put the pieces around him, they'll absolutely win a title. He's that level player. Uh, it's gonna be a work in progress. The Rockets, I mean, I don't know. Um uh, that that's a tougher one. Luca with Dallas, I don't know. They're terrible defensively. I mean, awful. Um, I, I so in the NBA, I, I, the Spurs may have the best chance if they can put the pieces around the Hall of Fame guy that's different from anything we've ever seen. I'm going with Rangers or Astros this year. Would have the best chance. Yeah. The problem for the Texans. The, students. Here's, the students. Yeah. here's the problem for the Texans. Look who they have to beat to get there. 
Oh, I know. I know. That, that is the tough thing. They almost, they're going to need a Mahomes limping around in the playoffs type of year or Lamar Jackson um, limping around in the playoffs type of year. Because, I mean, that's, that is, if you ever get through that gauntlet now, it's a good place to be. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Coffee and Football. We want to thank BKCW along with Manscaped and Chinook for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. Appreciate the super chats. Head on over to ontexasfootball.com. A lot more discussion going on over there. A lot more news. Guys, is there anything you're working on on ontexasfootball.com? Maybe you have coming up that folks need to be aware of. I'm actually uh, talking to Tom McMillan uh, here in about an hour. Tom is the uh, executive director of a group called Lead 1A. Uh, Lead 1A is a group of a consortium of the top 130 schools in the country. We're going to talk to him about the new NIL regulations, as well as what he is trying to do to separate the football schools, the, the top end football schools, from the rest of, of the country and what it might look like uh, going forward with or without the NCAA. I'm going to do that today. Uh, also, uh, I, I would say this, uh, we've got, you know, Blake, you've got a conversation coming up with Kat Osterman again, uh, young lady uh, that is a former uh, Longhorn pitcher, superstar, needs no And Reese Atwood. Yeah. Uh, as well. So we've got a bunch of stuff coming up here. Uh, I do want to say this, good luck. To JT Sanders and Ryan Watts today. And all um, the guys that have gone by. Big day Saturday for Worthy, AD Mitchell, all those guys. Yeah. Hey, in football, Texas, have a buzzy weekend. Yes. <laughs> You're Jerry, you need to go back way in the chat and read Colton's comment from your <laughs> commercial. <laughs> I can't say it on the air, but you need to go read it. But all right. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. <laughs> so, but yes, head on over to ontexasfootball.com. Lots of discussion going on over there. Uh, and then don't forget Sunday night, the three of us plus Rod Babers will be back and we will see who wins. Hey, and wait, then reading that manscaped ad. I've got two days to think about what I'm wearing for this. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I think Jerry should have to shave part of his head with manscaped if he loses. Ooh. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there on you, Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. Blake, uh, do you know what you're wearing yet? No, I have no clue. I have not even. It I may be a collared been. shirt. It may just be a collared shirt. On, on you might see me dress nice once once in a once in a blue moon, I do. Very, very rarely. Usually it's shorts and a t-shirt, though. So don't get your hopes up. Oh, I'm going to have bird dog shorts on. I just don't know what I'm wearing. Where people yeah. Well, all right, guys. We got to get out of here. Thank That's you all for joining us very much. Have a good weekend. Good luck again to JT and Ryan Watts this afternoon, Xavier, Jordan Whittington, uh, and uh, um, AD Mitchell over the weekend. I, and then, yeah, if you haven't already, hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time we post a video right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you Sunday night for the game show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.